0: Hi everybody! Uh, Thank you for coming back. This is the second time I've spoken, so the fact that you're here says that the last time I spoke wasn't too bad. So I appreciate that. Um, If you've been coming around, you've been hanging out around here for the last three weeks. You know we've been looking at Acts 17. You may have listened to it on the podcast. Um, Nick was speaking two weeks ago, and Henry was speaking last week. Um, So let's just do a a recap as to as to where we are. So we're in Athens. Paul is in Athens. why is he in Athens? Well, he's in Athens because he was preaching in Bria, um, and uh, originally before that he was with in Thessalonica, and the Jews in Thessalonica didn't quite like him. And so they followed him to um, Bria, and as a result, um, they caused a bit of trouble, and so he got sent to Athens. Nick, as uh, if you listen to his podcast um, two weeks ago, talked about, um, what Paul saw and how he he felt about what he saw. Henry, um, last week, spoke about um, what he did. How he responded to that sense, that that feeling, that that gut-wrenching feeling um, of what he saw. How did did he respond to that? What did he do? Um, So let's let's just look at the passage and we'll um, read through it and then we'll, we'll go on from there. I've started from uh, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples but is built by or built by human hands he is not served by human he is not served by human hands and and he does not need anything rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he would judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus. I wrote that down. And I still got it wrong. A number of, um, a number of the Areopagus Also a woman named um, Demerius and a number of others. Okay. So there's quite a bit of text there. How many of you have had something to say to somebody else? You've had a message. You want to say something to somebody else. And either they have got it first time or they got it totally wrong um, and had a totally different interpretation of the one that you thought that you were saying. Let me give you an example. In 2006, I was traveling to Tanzania. I was, I was going to go and teach over there. I'm a P teacher. teacher. I was going to teach over there uh, for a year in Dar es Salaam. Before I left, I met this girl called Catherine, and I quite fancied her. She was, you know, there was something about her that was really, really special. And, being the bloke that I was, you know, I, I want to talk to people face-to-face, I don't want to pick up the phone, I sent her a text. <laughs> and the text probably was written you know, about seven or eight times, knowing me, before I, sent, I finally sent it. But it said something like, Hi Catherine, can I take you out for dinner on Sunday? However, in case you didn't know, I'm going away for a year. So if you don't decide to come, that's fine. Subtle, huh? And so over the years, over the years, I've put it to my friends: who was right? Was it Catherine or was it me? Because. As far as I was concerned, and and most of the blokes that I talked to felt exactly the same way, that in saying and writing that text so eloquently and so clearly, that if she decided to come on that date, she was really serious about having a relationship with me. The the fact that I was not going to be here for a year was, was, by the way. However, whenever I speak to the other side, their partners, it's totally the opposite. It is. James, of course, you're going away from a year, so it doesn't matter. There's no serious, serious relationship here. It's okay. Well, let's go, and have, let's go and hang out. I have to ask you the question, though, who was right? Because I'm now married to her. So is she right or am I right? Anyway, beside the point. But you can see how a message, you know, you, you, you think you're putting a message across, and actually, the interpretation is different, totally different. So, what did Paul do? How did how did he relate? The, what I want to unpack is his his way of talking to the Athenians. So the first thing he did was he tells the Athenians who God is. Verse twenty four. He talks about God being big. You know, I was thinking about some comments like, could write, and it, they got the, they got proportions wrong. You know, it's like um, somebody. Who's an architect designing a house, but making it a model house when it's built because somebody's looked at it and gone millimeters rather than meters. God is far bigger. He can't be contained in this in these temples that you're putting, you're putting up. He's not limited to the fact of what you worship, what you make with your hands. He goes on to say, we're created by God verse 25. We are all part, we are all created by God. He, he, he has made us his own. He, he talks about Adam and the fact that that's the line that we come through. He brings, he, he meets these, this group of Athenians and he takes them right back to the beginning. He doesn't jump in, doesn't say, well, you know what it says in Revelations, whatever it is, and blah, blah, and you know, actually, Jesus wants you, and you're not doing this right, and you're not doing that right. He is really gentle, actually, and he meets them right where he is. He makes this bridge. He also points out that God is relational. You know, I, I, again, I, had, I, I was thinking about how to put this, and it's like, it's like bucket and spade, Marvin and toast, or lightning and thunder, God and relationship. He wants a relationship. He was part of making us. It's not like he was distant, he walked away. Actually, he wants to be involved in our lives, he wants us to seek him. In verse 28, he then goes on to say about being children of God. He quotes. Their prophets, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. He's trying to be culturally relevant. He's taking their, uh, their culture, their bits and pieces, and he's, he's, he's trying to form a bridge between what they, what they understand and what they need to understand. Do we do that? When we speak to our friends, do we do that? Do we try and engage where they're at? what do we just jump in? I know sometimes I'm either one or the other. I can be running away because my heart is pounding I know I've got to say this but oh no or it's like I've got to be careful how I pull across about Jesus because I don't want to put across a, a way that is insensitive that doesn't show that I care about the person that I'm not willing to listen to them that I have my view and that's it but Paul here he engages with this culture really sensitively then he goes on And he talks to Athenians about what they must do because of who God is. Paul went from knowing, Paul talked about to them from knowing who God is, our Creator, to who we are, His offspring, to the responsibility before Him to understand Him and worship Him in truth, and then our accountability for that. He introduces Jesus as the righteous judge. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made of human design and skill. In the past, God has overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man, and by the man, he's talking about Jesus, he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So he's, he engages, he, not only is he culturally relevant, but suddenly he, he slides Jesus in there. He cannot not talk about Jesus when he's trying to draw them to God. He cannot but grasp this passion in his heart about who Jesus is and what he's done, what he's done for Paul. And there's this burning desire to, to spread that. So he introduces the cross can't talk about Jesus without the cross it is life changing so how does what he did affect us how does his experience of walking through Athens and saying what he did affect us how does that, how does that experience challenge us well for me these are the three things that came up We need to feel how Paul felt. We need to have indignation and we need to have compassion. Without indignation, we lack the courage to act. We can't move forward. We see a situation, but there's nothing driving us. We can't step out. But, like I said, if we don't have compassion, then we become really hard, we lack gentleness, we give the impression that actually we don't actually care about what you think. It's, uh, you, what you need to listen to is me. I'm important. So that, for me, I was, that made me really think, okay, so how do I do that? How, how do I get that sense of feeling? Because I know that sometimes I can be really, really numb. And I, that was the word that came to me, numbness. Sometimes I can be numb. There was um, uh, a couple of years back, probably about 10, 10, 11 years back, I was a soul survivor. And Mike have actually challenged the, people at, the kids at Soul survivor and said, you know, could you live without the TV for a month? And he could hear the uncomfortable rustle of all the kids. I don't know whether I could live without TV for a month. Because I th- for me, that's where my numbness comes from. If I watch TV so much, actually, there is so much there that I could go over an hour and then i find there's an advert on with kids who haven't got any water. Or let's, let's bring out this, this week. You know, How many of you saw the track of the kids from Syria? How did that affect you? Did it affect you? Did, you, did your hearts give a beat? Did you feel sad for them? Or it was it like, yeah, that's another thing that's happening in this world? Gosh, isn't this world rubbish? So many bad things happen in this world. Can I have a cup of tea? Well, what, how did you engage with that? I, I felt like, uh, for me, I've, I've seen kids up front in, in Africa and that kind of environment. It really struck home. It don't, not usually strikes home with me, but for that, seeing all those kids, it's like, Who's going to go? Who's who's going to go to those kids and tell them about Jesus? I turned the TV back on after that month, and there was some stuff I couldn't watch anymore. My spirit had become sharpened. I couldn't watch the films that I wanted to watch anymore. How, you know, what is in your life that makes you numb? What is in your life that makes you numb? Is it TV? Is it focusing on sport? Is it the fact that you're overly protective about your family? Is it the way that you look after yourself? What makes you numb to what is going on around you? What makes, the, what makes you numb enough to be able to walk into a situation and you can't see it? Manus talks about um, seizing your divine moment. You, there's a moment that occurs and you step into it and you never know where it's gonna lead. Oftentimes, we don't even see the moment because we're so numb to what's going on around us. Second point, we need to see what Paul saw. In verse, uh, in the beginning, and I think it's in verse 16, he talks about the fact that he walked into Athens and he saw all the idols. What do you see when you look round? When you talk to your friends at your workplace, or your family, or in the marketplace? You know, what do you see? What do you see when you look on TV? Do you see the idols on the TV? Do you see what's triggering all this stuff? When you're talking to somebody, do you, do you look with discernment? Because I think that's what it's asking us to do. I think we need to learn to be discerning. And then finally, what did he do? Sorry, not what did he, What do. He, how, how he, he needed to focus on Jesus. What did, he, what did he see? What did he feel? And then what did he do? He brought Jesus to them. It was all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. It was at the cross where lives are changed, where there is hope, where the things that we struggle with day in, day out, Come to the cross. Jesus says, "I will transform you. I came to bring you life. I will turn this world around. Trust me. Throw your life in with me." I I was really challenged. You know, how do I do? I think of my God being huge, or do I confine Him in my temple? Is He confined? (laughs) Is He confined to Facebook and church or Twitter? Is he out there? Do I, am I, when I'm in my business or when I'm at work, do is he there? Do when people look at me, do they see Jesus? Do I act in a way that is gentle, that is kind? We need to focus at the cross. And my last bit. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. We need to be fools for Jesus. The world says, you've got to be clever, you've got to be intelligent, you've got to be beautiful, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. But actually... We need to be fools for Christ. We need to put Him first, where everybody else says you've got to put that first. Actually, it's Jesus that brings life, not my iPod, not my iPhone, not my TV, not my football. None of those are wrong, but again, coming down to the idols. You remember, you know, an idol is something that it becomes your identity. So, I need to have Jesus as my identity. Carve the band up, please. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace, Lord, that you love us so much. But I also thank you that you have a plan for us and that you want more than we can ever imagine. We live in the abundance of your kingdom. We are sons and daughters and we live in the abundance of your kingdom. I pray that we would, we would learn not to live for less. Lord, that you'd help us as, as we work out what's in our lives that make us numb to the people around us. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to see around and have that heart, have your heart to be able to love the people around us in the way that you did. And Lord, I just pray for everything that I've said this morning. I pray that, Lord, that we would take away the meat and we would throw away the bones. Amen. Do you guys want to stand up?